Hey, it's Nikki. If you're tuning into this podcast, chances are high that you experience at least occasional moments of overwhelm, resistance, lack of inspiration, and general WTF, can I even do this? Moments. Yes? Well, I made something for you. It's called the Naptime Empire Survival Guide, an email and audio series specifically curated to help you shift out of overwhelm, comparison, hiding in the bathroom, and back into inspired aligned action. We're talking unfiltered stories and insights from entrepreneurial moms who get this life, plus tried and tested tools to use when your brain is full, your energy's drained, and you could use some help getting your spark back. It's all delivered right to your inbox, organized neatly in emails that you can store up for a rainy day and come back to as often as you need to. As a fun bonus, you'll also get an invite to join my private Facebook community so you can get behind the scenes scoop on the Naptime Empires book and first dibs on my most recent offers as they come to life. Visit naptimeempires.com slash guide to secure your copy and I'll meet you in your inbox. All right, now back to the episode. You're listening to the Naptime Empires podcast with my mom, Nikki Ellidge Brown. Mom, your show's on. Thanks, bud. I got it from here. Welcome to the Naptime Empires podcast, refreshingly honest conversations on the realities of parenthood and entrepreneurship. I'm your host, Nikki Elledge Brown. Let's get started. Parijad Deshpande is the leading high risk pregnancy specialist, somatic trauma professional, speaker, and author who guides women to improve their pregnancy complications so they can reduce their risk of preterm birth. Her unique neurobiological approach has served hundreds of women to manage pregnancy complications and reclaim a safety and trust in their bodies that they thought was eroded forever. She's also the author of the best-selling book, Pregnancy Brain, love this title, a mind-body approach to stress management during a high-risk pregnancy. And she's the host of a super popular podcast called Delivering Miracles, where she discusses the real raw side of family building, including infertility, loss, high-risk pregnancy, bed rest, prematurity, and healing once baby comes home. In this conversation, we cover her own fertility journey, including life-threatening loss, IVF, bed rest, delivering her son at 25 weeks, working with a gestational carrier to bring her daughter into the world, and more. Her work on trauma and traumatic loss healing and what she's up to now, how she coped from being on bed rest from six weeks on with her son, what the gestational carrier pregnancy experience was like for her, what it felt like when her book was officially launched and out into the world, and how she originally started her business in pockets of time and what she's working on now. Hope you enjoy. All right, Parijad, here we are. And I was just telling you right before we started recording, it just feels surreal. At the moment we're recording this, this will probably be released later in the year, but at the moment we're recording this, I just, you know, washed the crib sheets, we've been nesting. So the whole, everything that you're all about with pregnancy brain and delivering miracles, it just feels like divine timing that today of all days is our conversation. Cause I'm like, oh my gosh, this is really happening. I hope, I think, you know, and there's still that nerviness, right? And that's kind of what you specialize in is walking women through pregnancy after all kinds of ups and downs and twists and turns and all of that. So I'm so excited to have you. And before we dive in, I just would love for you to set up the frame of reference in terms of your family and your babies and how they, how and when they came into the picture and when you started your business too. So just kind of like, what is your naptime empire set up over there? Totally. Um, and first of all, can I just say, I'm so excited to be here. I've just, I like died when I heard from you, like, do you want to be on the podcast? I'm like, oh my gosh, yes, of course I do. <laughs> um, I'm just such a fan of you and your work. Oh, so this is amazing. <laughs> so uh, yeah, my, my work is completely inspired by how my children came into this world, actually. Okay. So I went through personally infertility and a life-threatening loss. And then we jumped over to IVF where I got pregnant with my son. And he, during that pregnancy, it was a very high-risk pregnancy. I actually developed my first of eight complications before I even knew I was pregnant Wow! and was on bed rest from week six of my pregnancy and had to stop working. I had to give up all the work that I was doing. At the time I was working at the nonprofit I had started and I was teaching psychology up at the university by where I am and working as a child and family therapist in the community mental health agency. And I had to give all that up 
which I was happy to do if that meant I was going to have a chance at bringing this child home. And uh, the pregnancy just became more and more complicated as it went on. Um, bed rest at home from week six till 22 weeks and four days when wow. I landed in the hospital, three centimeters dilated. Wow. And it was at that time I had gotten to know my medical team very well. I am still friends with most of them. Mm. And I, you know, landed in the hospital in the middle of the night. So the next morning, my maternal fetal medicine specialist and my OB came in. They were telling me all these terrible statistics of what could happen, what they anticipated was going to happen. My OB had tears coming down her face. Mm. She was just so sure that I was going to lose this baby. It was just too many things stacked against us. And at 22 weeks, it's just too early for most babies to survive. So they were preparing us for that. And I said, well, let's, let's try two things. You throw everything you've got at me, happy to take whatever you've got. Yeah. And I can tell that when my body is tight and tense, the contractions pick up. Mm -hmm. So I'll work on that. Mm -hmm. You do your thing and let's see what happens. And they gave me 72 hours and they thought I was going to deliver within 72 hours and then I would lose baby. And we got 15 days. Wow. And while that is still very, very early, 24 weeks and five days was just late enough to give, give my uh, son a chance at life. That's and amazing. It just blew my mind uh, when I had a chance to reflect on that later to go, I, I'm nobody special. I don't have any superpowers, but there is something built into our bodies that nobody is telling us that can actually help us have a healthy pregnancy. And if I can do it, anybody can do it. That's what I want to do in this world. Mm -hmm. And so once he, we had a lengthy NICU stay, he came home, we were actually on lockdown for two and a half years after that. And so once he hit about three, that's when I kind of went back and went, yeah, remember that thought? Remember that idea I had three years ago? I think I want to do that now. And so that's where this, the business actually started. And I started working with women, seeing client experiences that were very similar to mine, but for different complications. We were just every single one of them beats medical odds and going, yeah, there's something here, which then inspired me to go, I want this information out for everybody. And mm -hmm. so I wrote the book Pregnancy Brain from there. And at the time of writing that book, we were expecting our second. Uh, and then that journey was also quite complicated, um, but we had her with the help of a gestational carrier. She was our very last embryo after we lost all of the other embryos between the two of them. Mm. And so she was born. Uh, she is just a little over a year and a half now. And it was through her experience when I really got to, because I wasn't physically involved in the pregnancy, I had a lot of opportunity to reflect on the, the wounds of everything that we had been through with my son's pregnancy, with all the losses in between, the really difficult decisions we had to make on how to grow our family, if to grow our family. Mm. And so she inspired a new wing, so to speak, of my business that I had never thought I wanted to do, um, which is on trauma and traumatic loss healing. And so between the two of them, I just, I feel like they have given not only me a new chance at life and an opportunity to be a mother, but also have deeply, deeply impacted the work that I do now. Yeah. That's so amazing. Like 15 days in those, in those weeks, especially when, I mean, and of course, even now I'm currently 30, almost 31 weeks, like every day matters, you know, every day that they yeah. can get in there. So like, what were you doing in those 15 days that was helping you stay calm to help your body regulate, you know? Yeah. So th I think that's when I really, you know, my, my training is in clinical psychology and so very much mental cognitive work. Yeah. And it was when I was the patient that I realized none of that's going to work right now because this is a very visceral physical experience. And so my entire focus, as much as I could give, given that I was on really hard medications that was making it very hard to actually focus, yeah. was 
completely relaxing my body in any way possible. So I was asking for massages. I was um, doing progressive relaxation. I was doing whatever I could muster up the strength to do to keep my body completely relaxed. And what we know is that when a body is relaxed, even when you go through something scary, you're actually protecting yourself from developing trauma, which is really important, especially for women delivering preterm, that if you can keep your body relaxed, not, not your mind, I'm not saying stay calm, I'm saying keep your body relaxed, you're actually creating this kind of protective barrier from that experience being encoded as traumatic, which I think is so powerful. Wow. Yeah. Okay. And... Then I just I just have so many questions about all the things that you just said. So I'm also curious about <laughs> sure. like for bed rest from week six. So for whoever may be listening and may either have like maybe maybe listening from bed rest or maybe has that coming up, what was that like? And how did you handle that? Because you obviously had a whole lot going on. And so to just be like, oh, okay, all right, here we are. This is what we're gonna do. Like, how did you cope with being on bed rest from so early on? Oh yeah, I don't think I did it very well. Yeah. Which is <laughs> fine and there's plenty to learn from that too. <laughs> so. Yeah, it was hard. I was, you know, being young, being newly married, being new in my career. I like, you know, there's just such an enthusiasm for life and to do all the things. And so I loved having my calendar just full, you know, yeah. social calendar full, work calendar full. I just like bouncing from different things and and it be, it was an easy decision in that I had already lost one and I had, and it was a terrifying loss because it was a ruptured ectopic. So I needed emergency surgery. Mm. And so the, the idea of, well, this could be impacting my life too, was very clear to me. So yeah. it was sure, totally. I'll drop everything. That's fine. But then I dropped everything and I went, Oh, now what? Yeah. I don't know what to do. It, and so I discovered, that's when I discovered Netflix. <laughs> watched all the shows. And, yes. <laughs> um, but it was very lonely. You know, as somebody who, you know, you're just out in the world a lot. You get used to seeing people everywhere and having conversations to now spending your days counting down on the clock. Uh, It's hard to tell what day it is because every day is the same. It's just either is it a weekday or a weekend because is my husband home or not. Mm -hmm. And um, feeling like you're not doing anything when, in fact, you are actually protecting a life. But... It's not visible. It's not obvious. And especially when you have complications, sometimes it feels like, well, I'm doing all this and still it's not working. What's going on? So it was um, really challenging. And it was a really great exercise also in learning how to ask for help, which was not easy for me to do. Mm -hmm. But it became abundantly clear that we could not do this on our own at all. It just w- would not have worked. Yeah. So that was when we first hired a house cleaner. Cause I said, there was a day I saw my husband was so exhausted from doing everything. He's working long days and then coming home and cleaning and cooking. And I just went, what if we just hire somebody to do this for us yeah. twice a month? Yeah. And it just kind of snowballed from there. Where else can we ask for help? Who else can we call what can we take off of your plate? Because I can't do anything else. So what else can we do? Right. And that was the that was the thing. And that's such a powerful thing that you probably would have put off or not done if you hadn't had to just be sitting there witnessing and observing the whole situation. Totally. Totally. Yeah. When we moved here, actually, back from Hawaii and moved back to Texas, and I was like borderline adrenal fatigue, like adrenal mm-hmm. sleepiness. <laughs> you know, it was, I don't think it ever went into full on fatigue, but I just, as there were some days where I was like, I can't even get off the couch. And I was just watching Jeremy zoom by and do all of these things. And it was so interesting because it just helped me appreciate all of that unpaid labor that I had been doing, you know, to keep the house moving and to keep everything going and keep everybody fed and bathed and all of those things. I was like, wow, I never fully appreciated all of the things that need to be happening until I had to just sit and be like, oh, and just observe it. And if I hadn't had to slow down like that, then I don't know that I would appreciate it still, you know? So absolutely. Okay. Well, thank you for sharing that. Okay. There's just so many things. I'm doodling notes over here. So you said that you wrote Pregnancy Brain while y'all were expecting your little girl. That's right. So we had, um, she was our last embryo transfer 
And my husband and I had actually completely lost hope that it was going to result in a baby we could bring home. And so I had decided just a couple months prior to the transfer, well, I think I'm going to write a book. It's, it was something that had been on my mind for a while and I'd been encouraged to do so. And I was resisting the whole thing. And I went, okay, you know what? That'll give me something to focus on. So, um, that year we were going to be moving anyway. It was just going to be a big year regardless. And so the day that we went in for the embryo transfer, I divulged to our gestational carrier, like, well, maybe you'll be growing a baby and I'll be growing a baby book. I don't know. I just <laughs> threw that out there. <laughs> Not at all believing though that that would happen. And, uh, and then it turned out that this, this little girl was our girl that was going to come home. Mm. And, and then it went, oh my goodness, <laughs> we're growing two babies at the same time. <laughs> oh no, <laughs> how do I do this? So yeah, so it was a mad dash to get the book out, get ourselves into a new home and get us ready to welcome her home. So what was that like since I'm doing the same, but on a different timeline, originally I was thinking, okay, great. I'm going to try to get the book out before she comes out, you know, and it is race to the finish line of who comes mm -hmm. first. And then in the last couple of months, I've been like, you know, just this year would still be a huge win after decades of resisting getting my first book out and blah, blah, blah. So I've kind of released my attachment to the timeline because I do feel like, you know, it's, it's going to happen. It's in progress and all of that. But what was the book writing, editing, revising process like for you? That's the empire side of the conversation. Yeah, it was intense. Yeah. Oh goodness, it was intense. You know, it's uh, the book itself to write it didn't take me very long. It had kind of been written in my head for several years. So the actual writing of it happened quite quickly for me. Yeah. And the editing, I worked with this amazing editor who I just adore. And so that process was great, but it was really just my attention was split in so many different directions, exactly. going to the prenatal appointments and, you know, our gestational care is out of state. So it was like a whole process to go there and then moving and looking for homes and selling our house and this and that. Oh my, it was, it was intense for sure. Yeah. And so what did it feel like once the book was here? And what was the timeline of when the book arrived? Is it like when the book was out and published and then when the little one arrived? The book was published officially at the very beginning of July. Okay. And baby came end of October. Oh, wow. And in between that, we sold our house and moved into a new home and re- built our kitchen right. <laughs> in our new home. <laughs> right. Just, just a little year going on or really yeah. that's like a three month period or a month period. Not a whole lot happening over here. <laughs> and so how did you feel? Like you mentioned that it had already been written in your head. Like how did it feel to get the book again? See, these are all selfish questions, but also for whoever's listening may possibly also want to write books. How did it feel once it was out? And you were like, oh my gosh, I did this. And also were there things where you're like, dang it, I wish I would have tweaked this or changed that. I mean, I know pretty much everyone that I know that's written, book, written books and put them out there. It's like, well, yeah, I do wish I could have changed, but I, that's also just part of it. You know, it's not like a yeah. blog post that you can edit or even a podcast episode. You could re-upload a new file or something right. but with the book. It's like, oh, it's out. It's there. So how did that feel once it was out? It was, it was incredible. And it actually came out officially was up uh, when I was in Chicago. We took a family trip and visited some friends in Chicago and I was on a bus. It was like the hottest day of Chicago in like the history of Chicago or something. <laughs> and the bus had broken. day of Chicago. <laughs> 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 and and it was so hot that we were stuck in traffic because the bridge, the the um one of the bridges couldn't close. Oh, wow. Because it had expanded too far or wow. something. Yeah. It was like that hot. And we were stuck on this bus and I got the notification that it, the book was up and it had hit bestseller in medicine and psychology. And I chills, like, chills, chills. yelled on the bus and everyone's <laughs> like, what happened? <laughs> Selling book. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's so exciting. It was amazing. And it was like so perfect because I got to celebrate with the kiddo who this book was inspired by. Oh. Sitting right next to me. And I remember he just took his little hand and squeezed it really tight. He had no idea what it meant, but he knew I was excited. And the whole bus was celebrating with us. And there was just something so emotional about like, 
I had resisted writing this book for my own sake, telling me, like, I'm not an author. I don't know what to say. I don't know. But I knew the minute that it came out that this is the book that needed to be written for women like me Mm. who didn't have a resource or a book to turn to when we're going through an experience of pregnancy that most people don't understand. Yeah. So it was amazing. But yeah, I, I mean, soon after it came out, I said, oh, shoot, I wish I'd added this or I wish I'd done that. But it's it's like you said, it, that's part of the journey and it could mean another book in the future. I don't know. But yeah. that's, that's just kind of how it is. Yeah. Well, I imagine also just with all the women that you've been working with, even in the time since, like you're just gathering so much more perspective mm-hmm. from beyond even your own stories that is so valuable. And that I just want to thank you because in my early weeks of this pregnancy, I was sharing a little before we recorded, that's really, even though physically I've actually felt really great. And mentally, I've felt pretty great since since that those first few weeks. You know, those like for me, since my losses were all very early losses, four of them. <clears throat> it was like those early weeks. I thought mentally, like, okay, I'm okay. I see the benefit. You know, I get the lessons. Blah blah blah. But in my body, I did just feel mm-hmm. anxious. Like at night, my heartbeat. We just laying down by myself and just feeling like oh my gosh, how do I slow my heartbeat? Okay, now that I'm thinking about my heartbeat, now it's even more intense. Like what's going on? Am I sweating? Am I bleeding? Like it was just, what's yeah. going on? So there was a lot of Netflix for me in those early weeks as well. <laughs> watched yeah. all eight seasons available for Call the Midwives. There were so many other shows. Downton Abbey, I watched all these shows. I was even scraping the bottom of the barrel of stuff I never thought I would watch. But I was right? like, <laughs> no, I just need something to like keep me company, keep my mind occupied and just get through these weeks of unknowing, is this going to stick or not? So I do remember listening to your podcast, even last summer, I was just tuning in just to hear these conversations that you were hosting through the podcast, Delivering Miracles. And I would love to talk to you about that journey. And the last one that I saw, it says final episode. Does that mean that's the final episode of the podcast completely? Or was that of a season or what's the current status over there? It is uh, the final episode for now. Okay. Which is a very <laughs> non-committal answer, but it, I would not be surprised if I revive it at some point, but for right now, um, yeah. there is a, a hiatus on the podcast. Well, that's sweet of you to even announce it because I just stop. <laughs> I just stop recording because <laughs> like life happens and then it's like, oh, okay, right. It's been a year. Let's call this season three. <laughs> okay, great. <laughs> We're back. So I want to hear though, I guess, again, so many questions about with the podcast, did it come after the book? Did you start the podcast before the book came out? How did that come about? The podcast came out before the book. Okay. And uh, it was, again, one of those things of like, I'm not a podcaster. What am I doing? But there was some, some sense of, I really like to talk. (laughs) And I've got a lot of things to say and there are a lot of people I want to talk to. So let's give it a try and see what happens. Yeah. So how did you like it? What did you like about it? it. Oh, I loved it. It was so much fun. It was like my own little platform to finally say all the things (laughs) that I don't think enough people are talking about with regards to pregnancy health and pregnancy outcomes and prematurity and all of that. It, It gave me, I think a place to shine a light in the corner of pregnancy where so many of us hide and feel like we're not seen because our stories are too insert whatever word, right? It's too dark, too difficult, too overwhelming, whatever. And I know I found when I was going through all of this, even with our um, waiting for our daughter to come home, just the idea of talking about just carriers and surrogacy and all of that, it wasn't always accepted conversation because it was, what did it mean that we needed that kind of help, right? Mm -hmm. And so it was really powerful, I thought, to finally shine that light in that corner and go, no, look, there are people here with very valid experiences. They may not be the fuzzy, warm, wonderful stories you hear publicly, but they're still very real and we deserve to have a place to be able to talk about that. And to honor that. And I just loved being able to do that. So while you were, so once the little guy was here and you decided, okay, I actually really want to share this with other women, share this experience. What was that like? And also you mentioned lockdown for two and a half years. What did you mean by that? So it was essentially what we're kind of doing right now. Yeah. Um, We, my son and I were not allowed to go anywhere other than 
doctor's appointments and specialists because his body was not at a place where he could tolerate getting even a simple cold without being sent back to the hospital. Okay. And so uh, there were no Target trips. There was no grocery stores for me. Um, there were certainly no holidays or parties or birthday parties or anything like that. We were just us mm. for two and a half years. Wow. That is so interesting because it's like, if we were recording this in any other time, so many people would be like, what's that like? And at this point, I'm like, <laughs> right. yeah, that's literally all we're doing is I'm going to OB <laughs> appointments. And then every now and then like the boys have a dentist appointment or an orthodontist appointment or something. Yeah. And it's like, and then yeah, planning holidays and parties, it's just not really happening. So we're going virtual. So that's exactly. really interesting. Before it was a thing. Before it was you a guys thing. We're yeah. becoming experts in <laughs> quarantine mode. Yeah. And then what was it like building the business? When did you step into this season? And I know it shifted when she got here too, but like, how did you start by working with people? Were you working with people one-on-one and was it during nap times? Was your husband home? How did you make that work? Yeah. So I, I started diving into this soon after he turned three and the place I began was how do you do this? <laughs> Cause I had never worked virtually before. Um, And I didn't really know how to start a business. I didn't really know what that entailed. And so I started looking into online business mentors and kind of just learning about how to do this. What is the foundation like? Where do I begin? So much of the, I think the first half of the year was spent doing that. And then after that, Um, You know, I learned about what a sales page was and how do you write copy and how do you build a list and all those basics. And then I started working one-on-one completely privately. Um, And yeah, it was during nap times. It was in the evenings. It was sometimes on the weekends and just kind of whenever I could. And it wasn't like I had a huge influx of people either. So it was certainly doable given both. And then once he started going to preschool, which was a really big deal for us because he was finally able to be out in the world. Yeah. Then I had a good like three, four hour chunk of time at the beginning of the day when he was at school where I could get some work done. And I think that's really when the growth of the business started happening. Yeah, it is liberating when you're like, and it's interesting because we'll be we'll be doing some kind of homeschool, whether Bryson does the online option or straight up homeschool mm-hmm. situation. Um, I I felt like I was rolling around in white space though, like when they would be at whether it was daycare or preschool or whatever. And it's like such a difference when you know for sure that they're handled. That's because Jeremy was gone, right? He'd either be under the sea or at work full time, active duty Navy. Now that he's here, it's nice that I can still be like, okay, guys, I'm going to record the podcast. They're quietly playing Minecraft anyway. So before I came up here, I was like, I made a joke. Diki didn't get it, but I was like, keep it down. Okay. Cause I'm going to be recording a podcast, <laughs> but it's nice. It's, it's such a difference when you know that whether it's your partner or it's a neighbor or a grandparent or daycare or childcare of some kind to know that I can block something that needs like quiet focus in this particular window rather than fitting it in, in the pockets of time. And that changes and fluctuates. I mean, by who knows what, sometimes obviously by things beyond our control. And sometimes, you know, we're just choosing not to have the outside help with childcare right now, but there's just mentally a difference in how you can show up when you know, you've got that, that blocked window of time. Totally. Okay. So with the one-on-one clients, how were they finding you? How did you get started? How were you connecting with people? to be those first people that, that you were working with? I think the very first people, it was through Facebook groups. Yep. I joined here. a bunch of those. Yeah. And I just, I think a lot of that instruction came from these early online entrepreneur mentors that I'd followed of going in the groups, being of service, answering questions, really looking at what are the questions people are asking, because I remembered the questions from my perspective, but I'm clearly a biased perspective given that I came back to do this work. So what are people who are not in this field, what are they asking? What are they looking for? And And I think that's where it started. So how did it evolve from there? You know, like, and, and how would you say it shifted once your daughter came and it was more around the trauma and traumatic loss healing that you were mentioning? Like how has your work evolved and what kind of stuff are you doing now that's lighting you up? Yeah. So at the, at the beginning, it was very similar to a 
psychotherapy setup. Not that I was doing psychotherapy, but that's what I was familiar with. The one-on-one, one-off yep. sessions, kind of as needed type thing. And what I realized was one, I didn't enjoy that. And two, that if I got to work with women more closely for a longer period of time, I could actually teach them how to reduce their risk of complications, including Mm -hmm. preterm delivery. And so I started playing around with packages and programs and can I get people to join me for a longer period of time than just one call or one session at a time. And I will never forget my first client. She actually was a friend of mine from childhood. And we'd completely parted ways and went oh, wow. into different worlds. And, and it was because of a mutual friend had shared my services on Facebook. She saw that and she went, oh my gosh, it's exactly what I need. And so she was my very first client who worked with me. I believe it was for 10 weeks. And watching and witnessing what was possible and what was happening for her body when she was beating the odds her doctors were telling her Mm. over and over and over, when she was able to stop her own preterm contractions, when she stopped going into labor and delivery um, because she no longer needed to because she could actually manage those contractions at home. And then to hear that she actually was overdue (laughs) and her doctor told her she was not going to deliver after I think it was maybe 28 or 29 weeks or something. She ended up being overdue. And so seeing that whole experience and I went, wow, that's what I want. I want women to experience what is possible in their bodies, even when everybody around you is telling you it's not possible. Hmm. And that really hit home for the, the original thought about an idea for this business is everybody told me 72 hours. And I said, Maybe, but let's try and see what happens. And 15 days gave him a chance at life. Why can't we offer that to more people? Why are we allowing the statistics to be like a crystal ball as opposed to an, okay, thanks for the information. Let's see what else we can do, you know? And so that's really what catapulted, I think, this next level of the business. That's, that's when I started realizing these are the women that I want to work with, women who are not just looking for anxiety support, but they're looking for, tell me how to have a different experience this next time, even though I'm at risk of developing the same complications, at risk of delivering preterm, what else can I do? Mm-hmm. And once I clarified that, oh my goodness, my business just got so much fun. I mean, it's just such a blast to work with these women who are so dedicated to going, okay, I hear you, doctor. I'm going to keep doing this because I don't want to get preeclampsia next time. And then they don't, right? Or I don't want to have gestational diabetes, even though I'm following all this diet and exercise um, recommendations. And then they don't. And so it's just phenomenal to witness what that does for them and the healing that happens for them to know their body is not against them, but that is it is responsive to what they are doing to help themselves stay pregnant. And so that piece of it got really solidified soon before my daughter was born. And it was through her kind of first few months of being here when I really felt so much of my own grief bubbling up, a lot of which I thought I had addressed, but I couldn't have until um, she was here. I, yeah. I just didn't have the opportunity. There was so much happening. There was so much loss. Um, and so once she was here and I was able to really process all of that, I went, there's a whole piece that we're not even addressing here, which is the trauma and the traumatic loss that I would love to provide women support with, for, especially for women who are done growing their family. and are living their life thinking, well, it's over. Everybody's telling me it's over. I should be happy, but I'm not happy. And I don't know why. And it was really important for me to have a space for them to say, it's not you. You're not being too negative. This is a complete shift in physiology that's happened because of every time you've had to fight for a life on your family building journey, whether your life or your children's lives, whether you have children in your arms or not, Uh, it's not you. And here's how we can heal so you can experience joy again. And so that is the 
the kind of impetus for creating my first group program, Healing Hearts. And that is entirely focused on trauma and traumatic loss healing. And doesn't there's no pregnancy support involved in that. That's truly just for the healing piece of it for people who are done. And then the one-on-one support is is for my women who, who are pregnant or trying to conceive after complicated journeys. Okay. That's amazing. So healing hearts is not, it's for, it's for people who have completed this chapter of life in terms of like physically, they're not trying to get pregnant. They're not trying to continue to grow through biological means, grow their families. Yeah. We, I mean, we often get people who are end up getting pregnant or do want to try again later, but they come to us uh, for the, to, to that program for the trauma healing and the traumatic loss healing specifically. And, um, and then the one-on-one program is specifically for women who want to do that. Plus also have a different experience for their pregnancy. That's amazing. And so how are most of these women finding you? Is it like through the podcast, through the book, word of mouth, just through your presence now? Because you've built an ecosystem over the years to where this is a thing that people know that they can go to you for because it is such a unique, I mean, I've never seen that, like I've read the whole internet by any means, Mm -hmm. but I've never seen other people talking about these things in the way that you talk about them. And like the people that you've had on your podcast, sure, they talk about fertility or, you know, like specific issues, but just the way that you holistically support this process is just such a unique thing. It seems. It's what it feels like from here anyway. <laughs> oh, I'm so glad. That's exactly what I'm intending. So I'm glad yeah. that that's coming through. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, it's truly was created from being that person and not knowing where to go and knowing that my professional education and training was not sufficient to support somebody like me as the patient. And I just wasn't okay with leaving it at that. And so, yeah, I mean, it's cool to hear you say that I've, you can experience that there's kind of this ecosystem that's been created because that's exactly how people find me. They kind of come into the orbit and they check out the book and they check out, um, Instagram ended up being a really big source of referrals actually, which I never anticipated in my life. Yeah. But uh, I connect with them on Instagram. They read the book, they listen to the podcast, they uh, read the blogs and then they go, okay, yeah, I am. I'm ready to beat these odds next time. I'm ready to do something different the next time I'm pregnant. And then they reach out and it's been amazing. So with quarantine and this particular flavor of lockdown in 2020. How is that working for you, working from home? I'm assuming are the little ones home or I don't know where y'all are in the country. Like for us right now in Houston, it's just a mess. And so there's a lot, of course, who knows what is happening and there's controversial decisions left and right and you can't please everybody and all of that. But like I said, our people are home and have been for months. And so I never thought we'd be as okay with that as we are <laughs> right now to where we're willingly being like, yeah. And we're just gonna, for the, for the near and distant future, we're just going to stay here in our little Island of our home. <laughs> but, um, especially cause I'm like, no, but I really like my white space. I really like my alone time. Yeah, you know, please really. leave. Every time they leave to go get like a car wash or something, I'm such a dork that it's like, I'm going to sweep or I'm going to clean and listen to a finance podcast or like whatever. <laughs> it's like, cause I just forget what it's like to be in your home by yes. yourself. That's like a luxury, but it used to be totally. a norm at least a few days a week. So what's the setup been like for y'all over there? Yeah, it's the same situation. Uh, everybody's home. Everybody's been home. Yeah. And we're not going anywhere. So, yeah. Uh, trying to find our little corners of the house when we need to get <laughs> Right. Diggy <laughs> right. was hiding under his bed the other day. Like if he had a big feeling about something that he would just go to his room and not even his room, he was like under his bed one day. And then Jeremy was like, where is Deacon? Like, I haven't seen him. I haven't heard him. He goes in and he had fallen asleep. Under oh. his bed. <laughs> I was like, that's when, you know, or they're, they're playing a lot with cardboard boxes and stuff. And so it's like, yes. okay, really they have no wheels. They can't drive and like go for a drive or anything. So when they need space, <laughs> they're just finding like a closet under the bed or a box. Right. <laughs> away from these people for just a little bit, please. Absolutely. <laughs> so I love also, and this is something I'm working on and talking about in the Naptime Empire's book, and also just with this on her terms conversation about building a business that really does support your life because this is life, this is happening, and no day is guaranteed for any of us at any stage, embryos or 
you know, octogenarians. And so it really is important for us to pause long enough to zoom out and make sure that what we're building is something that we actually want to deliver. So with the group program, and then you have your select one-on-one clients where you're kind of like a concierge for them, right? Throughout that whole experience. Mm -hmm. How does that work into your lifestyle? Like, how do you like your flow to be set up in terms of how many hours a week? It doesn't have to be specific number, but like, how do you like to set it up? Because I like to have a lot of free days. And then, excuse me, just for podcasts, this one spot, like I've just been recording one conversation a week on Thursday mornings in this window, because also, again, I can only ask them to be quiet for so long (laughs) when we have a full house, but how, how's that flow been working out for you where you're, you're managing the group programs and the one-on-ones? Yeah, it's, this is actually another one of those life moments, right? Where you wouldn't have made some decisions had it not been a situation where you had to make yeah. those decisions. So uh, the group program, um, I have somebody actually managing the community, which has been super helpful. And so I come in twice a month for our calls and lead those calls, which has been awesome. And that was really helpful to have those very consistent times to show up. And then there's other times when I'm away and that's completely okay. And it's to be expected and everybody's aware of my availability. And I especially like that because I do work so closely with my one-on-one clients. I work with them every single day. And so that gives me a little bit of time every day to carve out for my private clients to work with them, to get on a call if needed. And even those calls I have consolidated during the week. So it's really predictable yeah. when I need to be uh, on a call or be a, a, uh, available to people so that it's also predictable for my family. Like, okay, between these 30 minutes, you've got to be super quiet or you have yeah. to be outside. got to go in the backyard yeah. or something like that. And I think that's been really helpful for everybody to have some semblance of a pattern or some semblance of predictability. Yeah the gestational carrier experience. We haven't talked about that before on the podcast. So whatever you want to share about it, I would love to hear about it because I remember following y'all's journey from embryo. I can't believe she's 18 months now. Like this is just, it's such a miracle. So what was that like? I know there were, there were lots of challenges and lots of questions because lots of people really don't understand it. And I mean, I imagine even when you're going through it, like you can't just understand it just like anything with pregnancy or motherhood or entrepreneurship until it's actually happening even like you said, how you couldn't really fully process the grief or trauma once until once she was actually here because there were so many other mm-hmm. things going on. I felt that in my heart because I imagine there's a whole lot of that for me on the other side, finally yeah. meeting this little one that I'm convinced has been her same little spirit every time, you know, in, in the form of now five different <laughs> embryos, but I'm convinced it's been the same little spirit yeah. each time. So finally meeting her will bring up a bunch, but what was that experience like for you? And what advice do you have for someone who may be considering or going through a gestational carrier pregnancy? Yeah, it was, um, I don't know that there's even one word that I could use to describe it. It was, yeah. it was surreal. I'll say that. Uh, we were so lucky to have a gestational carrier. I actually was just talking to her yesterday. Um, who, had we met her in any other capacity, we would still be friends. Yeah. And so it was such a phenomenal match. And we just love their family. Uh, The whole family came for our daughter's first birthday. They just happened to be in the area and it just worked out so perfectly. Her first Uh birthday party was amazing. And um, the whole process was just, it was surreal because I got to now experience pregnancy similar to how my husband experienced it when I was pregnant. I'm on the outside. I don't have access to information about how the pregnancy is going unless somebody's telling me. Yeah. And that was uh, hard. And I think tied to that was there was just so much loss that, you know, I never carried a pregnancy to term. I never had a pregnancy that I enjoyed Uh, that I didn't get to know my daughter until she was born. I didn't know anything about her until she was born. Um, And so there was, and then tied into that too, was in in the process between when we started working with our gestational carrier and when she got pregnant with our daughter, we, she miscarried a few times. And I remember, especially I think it was the second one when I was just sitting in the house by myself and I'm going, am I allowed to feel sad about this? Mm. Am I allowed to show that I'm grieving this loss when my body had nothing to do with it? Mm. 
am I allowed that? And I, I know the answer is yes, yeah. but it was such a complicated experience of how do I express this and who do I express this to who can hear that and yeah. hold that for me? So it was, a, it, it's just a, a very interesting experience. Um, I'm so grateful that we did it with her. Uh, like I said, she's just such an angel in our lives. Um, such an amazing experience to have somebody have such a healthy pregnancy and be able to give us a baby who happened to be healthy and was cooked all the way up until the very end, which was very <laughs> new for us. <laughs> right. uh, seeing a full-term baby was quite a shock <laughs> for yeah. us. Like, oh my goodness, you Here are a large person. <laughs> <laughs> we were just looking at the car seat, like, cause we just got the car seat literally this morning and I'm like, I don't know that she's going to be that small because right. like, on the tiniest <laughs> setting, it literally looks like it's for, I don't know, like I'm pretty sure we're going to have to bump those shoulder straps up, but I don't know. It's yeah. been a while since I've seen a human that tiny. Right, right. Exactly. So yeah, it's, it's been wild. I think I would say for anybody who's thinking of doing this to do your due diligence, because the reality of the situation is it is an industry that is not well-regulated. Mm. Uh, it's even less regulated than the adoption industry. Okay. And so do your due diligence. If you do decide to work with a an agency, make sure you understand exactly what they're about and who they represent and what they what their primary goals are. Just really do your homework. And if you do decide to do this privately, um, make sure you have really tight representation just legally on both ends um, so that everything is clear yeah. for everybody. How did, did y'all meet through an agency? Is that, we did. Uh, yeah. Okay. We did. Yeah. I mean, it's literally, I guess when you say surreal, it's like an out of body experience. Like yeah, it is. Literally. And it's like your body did have something to do with it because this is your embryo. This is your egg. And yeah, right. it's like, okay, hot potato of this precious life. And yeah. <laughs> that is, I never even considered that like experiencing a miscarriage out of your own, like that is really complicated. And that is, you know, and I'm sure she has her own, had her, had to have her own experience about it too, because obviously you have to have a huge heart to be willing to go through Mm -hmm. this for another family. And she's invested in it too. What, what drew her to being a gestational carrier? She said that she'd always wanted to that. And that's kind of what we had heard when we were starting the process is most of them, uh, who's kind of bios we were reading or people we'd connected with, they were all kind of coming from a place of this was an idea I'd always had. Maybe uh-huh. they'd known somebody when they were younger who had done this, or they'd heard about it somewhere and they just went, wow, that's amazing. I really want to do this for somebody. Yeah. And um, and then, you know, of course, it also added to the fact that when she was pregnant, she also had a really great experience. Yeah. And so that kind of completely compounds together and goes, yep, I totally want to do this again for somebody else. Yeah. That's amazing. What a gift. And I love that they were able to be there to celebrate her first birthday and everything too. That's so cool. It just happened to work out that they were in the area. They live out of state. So it's not a given that they would have been here and it just happened to work out. It was so beautiful. I love it. All right. Well, as we're wrapping up, we covered a lot. I could still ask you a schoolian questions. And yet that's why you've got your podcast, you've got your book, <laughs> you've got your blog. There's so many resources that we can find. But as we're wrapping up, are there any other words or nuggets that you'd like to pass along knowing that our fellow Naptime Empire Builder could be pre-baby pregnancy right now, going through fertility concerns and their own experience, like any other things that we haven't covered that you'd love to share? I think the one thing I'd like to share is to remember that whatever statistics, whatever numbers, whatever facts, whatever information you're hearing, whether it's to conceive during pregnancy, after, with your child, whatever it might be, those are just numbers. And they're like bumpers on a bowling alley, but they don't say everything about what's going to happen. They don't act as crystal balls. And so if you have an inkling that things could be different, you're probably right. Mm. And to keep searching and to keep looking for who the person or the thing or the resource or whatever could be to help guide and support that intuitive feeling you're having, that it doesn't have to be that way. Well, 
I'm so glad you said that because my next question is, where can they find you? (laughs) So when they're searching, where can we, and I'll put all the links in the show notes, of course, so that they'll be there. But for those who are like, yeah, but I'm not going to click yet. I'm just listening right now, walking or pushing somebody in the stroller or whatever it is. Where can we find you? What are the best places to find you online? Yeah, you can head over to my website, which is my full name, barijatdeshpande.com. And I tend to hang out on Instagram. So uh, you can come by over there. I'm at healthy.highriskpregnancy. And I love hearing what people take away from these interviews. If you want to take a screenshot and tag Nikki and me and let me know, uh, let us know what you're taking away from this. That would be awesome. I love to hear that. Perfection. Well, Parijad, thank you for being who you are and doing what you do and sharing what you've shared truly, truly from my heart. It's just such important work. And I remember a conversation we had years ago, just talking about when you were like, okay, can I really do this? Am I going to do this? (laughs) Coming from your more traditional background to be like, okay, but can I really support women in this way? And I'm so inspired by the way that you are showing up and serving. So thank you for doing what you do and for sharing it with us in Naptime Empires mode. Thank you so much. Your homework for this episode, should you choose to accept it, is to check out her book, Pregnancy Brain. Refer it to friends, share it with people, scroll through her podcast and share it with a friend who's pregnant or wants to be or has been on her own fertility journey. These conversations are so important and not common enough. Of course, we'd always love to see your favorite takeaway. So take a screenshot, tag us in your Instagram stories. And if you haven't yet, take 60 seconds to leave a rating and review while you're here listening in your favorite podcasting app. All right. Thanks for joining us today, bud. I'll catch you next time. This show may be over, but the conversation is just beginning. Head on over to naptimeempires.com slash Facebook so you can join my free... Wait, did I say free? I'm in priceless, rapidly growing community of Naptime Empire Builders for deeper discussions, behind-the-scenes scoop, and of course, updates whenever I've got new stuff coming up for you. naptimeempires.com slash Facebook. See you there. See you next time. Thanks for listening. (laughs) Good job, buddy.